Welcome back to the podcast. This is Byron Lazine, and today I'm really actually so excited about this. Are you? Yeah, I am, Ryan. We've got Ryan Casey from our team, One in Company at William Ravis Real Estate, here on the podcast with me. And I mean, we've had some guests that are, you know, I guess a little bit bigger names. I don't know. Yeah, Would you say yeah. a little bit bigger? A little. So, so the reason I chose Ryan to be the first guest from my team, I've never had anybody else from the team on the no. podcast. No, I've had no. Pat on the podcast, actually. You've been on the podcast twice, once at least, anyway. Yeah. And, and, and so the reason I chose you, Ryan, is because you're about to be the first graduate from our new agent training program. Mm-hmm. You've absolutely crushed it in yes. your time there. Keep going. But it but it wasn't always easy, was it? No. And and so I thought this would be a super interesting contrast from, you know, maybe talking to somebody that has been in real estate 10 plus years or maybe somebody who's a coach like Tom Ferry or a CEO of Planomatic. We just did that one. Go back to episode. What is that episode? Do we know? Just go back. You'll find it if you want to see that one. I thought changing it up and talking about somebody who's on the back end of being a new agent, right? Like, would you consider your yourself on hole 17, 18 of being quote unquote, a new agent? Like you're, you're coming out of that, that, um, stigma. You've got the experience now you've been through enough. I want to get into some of the stories you you've taken me on some unique situations in the past, but uh, before we get into that, Ryan, just give people a little bit of context of who you are, where you grew up, and, and all that. And then we're going to get into some of these new agent stories, which I think people are going to be just fascinated by. They will be. So my name is Ryan Casey, as Byron mentioned. And first off, thank you very much for having me on your podcast. It is an honor being the only one on no, the team. No, it's not an honor. There you go, though. Here, here we go. So um, grew up and uh, was raised in Cranston, Rhode Island, where dreams come true, land of opportunity. And uh, was there for about 25 years. Met my now wife in Boston at a a festival. It was for, I don't know, it was like a meatless vegetarian festival. A meatless? What were you doing meatless. there? Meatless. I know, right? So, uh, so I met her there. We moved to, uh, moved to Connecticut. What makes you do crazy things? And then... Uh, <laughs> What's was, so crazy about moving to Connecticut? Well, it's, I mean, I know we all bash Rhode Island, but I got a couple of stories about Connecticut too, but keep going on with the story. Um, state moved to Connecticut, was doing a lot of stuff when it came to drones, um, photography, videography, and I was doing a lot with the real estate agents and I was so surprised how little and few of them realize the product that I want to offer when it came to video and professional photography and, uh, aerial drone, uh, photos was worth it was like mm. we would do one job for them and i'm like no 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 you want this constantly right like you don't want to just do this a one-time thing and they just didn't see the value in it so i was like you know what let me get my real estate license let me show this is what they need let me show these guys yep and uh did you look at these agents and you're just like what this if these guys are doing it like should i just go do it that was the thing right it was a little like, scary like did you what? look at these people like they were a bunch of dummies running around a little bit no <laughs> not a little bit a lot, a lot of dummies. Maybe no, they're just mostly, there's a lot of good people in this. Industry. Mostly Rhode Island dummies. Yeah. And I was looking at them. I'm like, what is this? All right. Um, so I got my, got my real estate license in April of 2017. Okay. Uh, was at Berkshire Hathaway for a couple months. And then you ever see like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer? Remember that? The old Christmas the Clay animation thing. And then like Santa saves the island of misfit toys. 
Well, that was my story, right? I was like a misfit toy in this little area and Byron uh, happened to text me. I almost, no, you messaged me on Facebook. That was a Facebook message. You never wrote back, by the way. I never wrote back. It took me a while because I went into like that, what's it, spam folder. So when you're not friends with the person, you have yeah. to check a certain folder. And I just happened to look. And maybe I checked that every like once, two years. I don't know if I even checked it since Every two said. years. Every two years. I never checked that. should check that. There could be some good gems in there, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah. And so continue on with that little information. Um, so you reached out to me and uh, we met. We met at, uh, what was it? It was Carson's at the time. Now it's Carson's Amaro's, at the time. Yeah. I opened up the wrong door. I went around the wrong side. Opened up. I know. I forget. I opened up the door. I'm like, Nicole totally. was there. Nicole was there. This is a great story. She Nicole. was coming off of a liquid lunch too, by the way, but go ahead. Nicole White's there and Byron is there. And Byron's asking me kind of like these questions now. So what do you do? Where are you from? And going on. And all of a sudden, I didn't, Nicole didn't say a word to me. She leans over, almost knocks over her martini and she goes, are you one of us or are you not? <laughs> That was the sales pitch like, right what there. Is, what is, like, what does that mean? That was the liquid was lunch talking. Yeah. And now here we are. And here we are. You came in before the, the new agent program that I was talking about was kind of defined. So you've seen this whole thing come together mm -hmm. for us. Yeah. And, and uh, you've really, I would say that you've really stuck it out in the sense that we were not only a new team, to, to some degree, we had experienced agents, but new in the sense of a new brand and a new vision and a new direction and, and even a new brokerage with, with William Ravis. And when you came in, there was a lot of change. There was a lot of chaos. And then we started to define that new agent program really around a lot of the different mistakes that we were making and things that we were seeing were working and weren't working. How hard was it to come in? Not only you came into Berkshire, right? And then you switched over. How hard was it to come in in those first, let's call it six months to just get even acclimated to what the heck is going on, the terminology and really the way of the real estate world? Right. And I think the perfect analogy for this is almost like going into a cave without a flashlight and you, you, the hmm. stuff's all around you, but you can't see it and you're just going whatever feels right sort of thing. But Having said that, finding the perfect group and finding the perfect fit makes all the difference in the world. Um, but it's a very scary feeling because you are, you know, someone, a mentor can teach you as much stuff as you want, but it's all about the experience. It's all about what your success is. You can ask, I feel like I could ask you a thousand times, what has made you such a great realtor and what's your experience and what makes you so, so great. But you can only learn it from yourself. You learn it through your mistakes and everything. Um, but just starting off kind of like i said it's like you're in a cave you don't have much going on and you're trying to figure it all out and you're just trying to maybe start a match or just get some type of light going and then find the tools and you're trying to create something um so during that time it can be a little frightening you trust you believe i you know i trust you and i trust the team and whatever you said you asked me to jump i really was like how high do you want me to jump and um just Getting, getting the feeling and just, it's, it's weird. It's not even the knowledge of real estate. It's just more of getting a feeling and an emotion of how you're supposed to be in different situations. And I'll kind of go into that a little bit more because if I just want to jump ahead, like five chapters, like right now, if you're talking about, I'm on the 18th hole, um, I can start showing my personality a little bit more. Yeah. I don't want to jump ahead too many chapters because I want you to tell the stories like, you know, the story of when you brought me in a listing appointment with a homeless guy, you know, usually listing appointments involve a homeowner uh, maybe Not some in my of the, case. Uh, I think that was know, the old time the low. Story. I think that was the old time low. Uh, 
Do that I, was your all-time low. That was probably would, the, that, would you can no seriously. Yeah. Though, that was kind of a joke we've always you know, joked around about. But like, what is your all-time low? What is my all-time low? I think my all-time low was I was I got this lead from one of our programs, Mojo, that we use to call for expired calls, and I called this guy a thousand times, and uh, he was living in California, and he wanted to list, and he was ready to go, and I don't know what the that breaking point was, but he decided, I guess someone came in to do some work that contractor recommend, recommend another agent. And that was it. And that was probably my low point because I felt like I did everything right. And there's probably about 20 other things that fell apart before that. And I just remember, I go, Oh my God, what do I have to do to get a listing? What do I have to do for someone to agree? How far was this in? This was probably in December and we met in, October of 2017. So this was December. So December. Maybe maybe it was January or February of 2018. 2018, like a year year and a half ago, maybe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, and it was just that constant like when you get the the no, this isn't going to happen. Compounding day after day after day, is it really difficult to show up the next day? It wasn't difficult because it was great being around this group. It was never difficult to be around here because you see the success and that's what kind of helped me motivate. But when I was at home and I was by myself and I was kind of left with my thoughts about being a failure and not getting this down, I just thought it wasn't for me. And then Mm -hmm. I come back in to the team, the group, and I'm like, you know, you can make this happen. And it's so weird because I look back on it now and it was just this, it was an utter chaos. It was a complete mess, not from the team. It was just me just having... no confidence. I think that's the thing. You just, you can easily lose the confidence in it and you just keep going. And do, you, do you think in the beginning it was more us not being as organized with the new agent program and, and like now we have it dialed in, we've made a lot of mistakes. You were part of that journey. Uh, do you think it was more us or more you in the beginning, not necessarily, you know, what's happened in, in the last, you know, cause you've been a year and a half. So let's say not necessarily the last nine months, the first nine months, was it more you or more us uh, in terms of you, you not having traction in those early days? I would say it was half and half. For me, it was just, um, I probably didn't give it 100% every day, right? Like I was probably texting you, kind of bitching and moaning, oh, I'm not getting leads, I'm not getting and, and I, I, w- I would speak about that a lot to you guys too, like, because part of our program, not in the, not even in the early days, the early days, it's like, okay, we didn't even have the like nine to noon training program. Now we have nine to noon training every single day. Uh, and you know, a lot, one of the things I always said and still say is like, okay, even nine to noon, I don't, I don't know what any new agents doing from noon to eight. I can't be with you guys every day. I can't want it more than, than you wanted all these types of things. So speak to that a little bit because I, here's the thing. There's a lot of new agents and there's going to be a lot of people that, that are potentially new agents or thinking about getting into real estate that might stumble across this podcast. And there's a difference between, you know, working hard, putting in the effort. And it's certainly if you come out of a job that's 40 hours a week and, and you're getting a paycheck, there's a difference between that type of work and then the type of work you have to put in as a sales professional in America today where you're a hundred percent commission based and that's mm-hmm. real estate, right? Yeah. So talk to me about the difference between working hard and then working hard in a 100% commission world. So, right. So I was working hard in the sense, like I felt like I was working hard, right? Like I would probably text you and I would say, Hey, you know, Byron, I'm doing all this, what's going on. But it would be like, um, 
you would say to me, just get more, get more, get more, get more. And I was working hard maybe on three, four or five people and that'll be it for the day. Okay. I hit those five people where now it's like, I have so many, you know how many people you got to hit now. Now it's like stupid yeah. amount, right? Like it's, they got fire point, which we'll get into, um, and stuff like that. But you just kept saying more, more, more. And I was more like, no, like these people are really, cl- I wanted something. I needed something to kind of hold on to that said, look, I did a couple steps with this person where, where maybe it was five, 10 people. I wasn't getting anywhere and I didn't want to move to anyone else. I felt like I put so much work into these people. Well, I felt like I put a lot of work into these people in a sense, which I, I did, but it wasn't, it was just such a small amount of people that I deserved something for it. And I remember like texting you and just saying, nothing's happening here. And you just said, don't just get more, get more. And it's so scary to get more when you didn't have much to show for it mm-hmm. sort of thing. And, and the time that you put in following up on these people, did you at that point, at, you know, at that stage, did you realize the real difference between a lead, a customer and a client, right? Like a lead there's potentially 10 plus 20 plus agents that have that person's contact information. And it's a lead for 20 of your competitors, a customer, right? Is somebody that calls us and says, Hey, I'm interested in 123 main street and I need information and they can potentially be, you know, turned into a lead and even a client. And then there's a client, somebody that's like, you're my guy, dude. Right. At that stage, did you realize the difference between those? No. I didn't have a clue. And I think that's a huge thing. Like it was more like if you had a pulse and you had a roof over your house, I was your guy. Right. Like, yeah, yeah, you know, kind of thing didn't matter, you know, but now and we'll probably get into that a little bit later, but now you see it, you know, who you're talking to, you know, who's worth your time where everyone is just possibly the next opportunity for you. But you have, I had no clue. Me personally, I had no clue what was a lead, what was a customer, who was a guy who was just bored and wanted to look up on Zillow. I had no clue and I could not define those. One of the biggest mistakes that every new agent makes, I I made it when I was a new agent and I see it with inside of every new agent. It's the, the patience thing, right? Like they believe that every opportunity is going to be what makes them now, um, recognizable. It's going to be what puts them on the map when in reality, you could do a big deal. You could walk in as a new agent and do and drop a $2 million deal in your first couple months. You could get lucky and drop a $2 million deal. Here's the problem. The market forgets about it in, a, in about a week, maybe two weeks, right? Mm-hmm. After that, you know, maybe the local paper picks it up or, or some PR department pushes it out there. And then two or three weeks later, another big deal comes along and that one gets promoted and you're forgotten about. So you need to continuously as an agent, whether you're new, you know, not so new, experienced, whatever, you need to keep feeding that beast and social proof's a big, mm-hmm. big part of the equation, Absolutely. right? Like how, how long did it take for you to really start to internalize that? That really like all these opportunities are, they're not going to be what makes you, you know, it's the consistency. Besides the you. besides our listening point with the homeless person, uh, let's tell that story real quick. Actually, that. Like, that that's just a freaking great story. Yeah. So, uh, do you want to tell it? Do you want? Well, so here's the deal. This is how we roll with uh, the new agents. We we train new agents. We're unique in the sense outside of other teams where we believe that listings are what make you a great real estate agent. Right? It controls the inventory. There's a lot of different reasons. M- 
a lot of teams, I would say the majority of teams in America today operate on this premise. Okay, I'm going to get new agents and they're going to be a buyer agent for a number of years or until they can qualify to be a, a listing agent. And we don't believe in that at one and company. We, we train people to be listing agents from day one because we believe after all of this disruption and all this tech that listing agents are going to be what's left. So let's just train our people to be the best from day one instead of just having them work with buyers, right? So that being said, our new agents are very energetic when they set a listing appointment. And when they have a, a listing appointment, we have them bring an experienced agent so that their chances go up on actually securing a signature. So Ryan was very excited, had a uh, listing that was a little bit out, outside of the market that we typically yeah. work, right? Yeah, it pulls. And he had a pulse. Yep. Well, he at least could pick up the phone. Picked up the phone. You, you, did you dial that one on Mojo or Vulcan 7 or something? So yep. did a uh, Mojo dial on what was either an expired listing or a canceled listing. And the guy that picked up, what, he wasn't really the owner or he was? It was his, bro his brother was the owner. I think his brother was the owner. His brother was, was like, the owner. So the guy that story. we actually set the appointment with for this particular house, uh, you know, I show up. Again, this is probably 45 minutes outside of our main market, yeah. right? So I drive over there. I'm like, okay, here we go. We got this listing. It's already in a, we don't care about the price point. We, we work low, high price point, mid price point, but this was, you know, in the lower price point. So, okay, it's outside the market, lower price point. All right. Brian's got to get this listing because set the appointment. Let's go see what happens, right? This was a year ago. This was probably back this in is April. Over, yeah. April. This is over a year ago. Yeah. yeah. A little over a year. And so show up. I'm like, Ryan, where's the guy, man? Where, where's our boy? I wasn't there yet. Oh, you weren't even there. He came up on his bike. Before you got there. Remember? He thought you were me. and That's right. That's right. And vice versa. Ryan wasn't even there yet. I'm waiting outside. I'm like, Ryan's not here. The, the homeowner's not here. Here I am. I got a few things I could have been doing. Uh, but anyways, around the corner, the end of the street, here comes this guy. You ever see grown men riding those little mini dirt bikes? What was? Do you know your dirt bike numbers? No, no. Pat, you know your dirt bike numbers? Like a little mini, the little, yeah, the little like the little where on, where where like, like yeah, your knees are head. yeah, exactly, your yeah. knees are up on your chin. It's a little kid's dirt bike, basically. Yeah. This guy was riding. So here comes this guy. He's got his knees up to his neck, and he's riding on the road. Yeah, something like this. Uh, here we go. If you can see this. We can link it up. This is uh, this is a good friend of ours doing the same thing that this individual was doing that day, down the street. You know, this is a not a main road, but but it's a real street. Yeah. You know, a state-owned street. And uh, here he comes on the dirt bike. Hey, hey, are you Ryan? Oh, I'm Byron. And and as Ryan ends up showing up. Thank God. And we started asking some qualifying questions. You know, how long have you owned the home? Well, actually, you know, I really don't own the home and. And, uh, and then tenants came out. It was just a really weird situation. We didn't even get in the house, by the way. No. And uh, <coughs> the guy didn't look like he took a shower in, in a long time. I think we found out he didn't He didn't actually own a home. We asked him, oh, do you have a property? He goes, no, I don't no. own a home. I'm like, where do you live? And he's like, oh, a couple places. I think he said every night or something like that. And that's when I was like, there you go. We had our first. And so that's when Ryan and I had our first conversation about let's qualify some of these, you know, 
listing appointments that we're calling on. Let's really do a good job because here's the thing. And I think now that like how many properties have you closed this week or uh, put under contract in the last, let's, let's say two weeks, last two weeks, five, five in the last two weeks, this guy has put five properties under contract. He's absolutely on fire. So you now realize how valuable your time is. Cause if you're putting five properties under contract, that means you're doing showings. That means you're doing negotiating. That means you're doing, you know, inspections, you're having calls with people, you're figuring out price, you're figuring out strategy, you're doing CMAs, you're doing all this kind of stuff, right? Mm -hmm. yep. In two weeks time. Yeah. It's a lot of work. It's a lot. So now you kind of realize like, if I go out on this appointment, that's, you know, if I drive 45 minutes there, I sit on the sidewalk and talk to this guy, which accumulated 15 minutes. Cause then I looked at you and I said, let's get the fuck out of here. All right. Yeah. And then you drive 45 minutes back. That's almost two hours of time that you could have been prospecting. Mm -hmm. uh, you could have been door knocking, right? You could have been calling on your sphere. Yep. You could have been hanging out with your beautiful wife, mm -hmm. right? You could have been hanging out with family. You could have been doing a lot of things in yeah. those two hours yeah. And you don't realize that sometimes until you go through it, which I'm not, that's why I'm not like, I'm not upset about that. You were, no, you were never mad. You were never, you kind of, it's one of those learning experiences you go through and you're like, okay, I've only got so much time in the day. And if, and if you know that you're super valuable because yeah. you are, mm -hmm. then you start to protect that time a little bit. You start to pre-qualify people in a little bit of a different fashion, which you from that point forward did do just that. You started to really pre-qualify uh, the people you were calling on. And I think the other thing was too, I started to pick up on like how people would talk to me and how, what words they would say and how quickly they would respond or how many questions they had or how interactive they were about the property or what they wanted to sell. And I feel like that's, that's when I started to notice the difference, what, what was worth my time or not. And that kind of goes back and soon we'll talk about the Zillow lead that I lost. And I look back on well, it. That was a, well, that's a recent story. This is recent. Let's yeah. talk about that a little bit, too. So Go a ahead. A couple of weeks ago, uh, Monday, what'd you say? Like, you want to clean up on all our Zillow leads, or they're going... This was probably a month ago now. Yeah, probably a month yeah, ago. A month ago. I, I, really, you know, we're, we're looking at how much Zillow leads we haven't converted. We're looking mm -hmm. at the industry average. We're looking at our numbers. We're like, hey, th th there's something going on here. Uh, and let's go re-energize some of these leads. Let's go retouch these leads. Let's go see what's going on. Let's see what's going on. So I went back, I had 17 that I, I mean, and there was more, but there was 17 I knew that really hadn't been in contact with. They weren't really, um, a task on my firepoint, which is basically, yeah, it was basically one day you took these 17 and did a video message. I did a bomb bomb, a bomb bomb. And I sent them a text video message as okay. well. So that way they would see my face all over the place. And, um, I had a couple people, most people didn't respond. I think two, I got back. What on. was the script you used for these 17 people? Dead leads that you admittedly yeah. did not follow up with. Yeah. I would just kind of come on. I say, Hey, this is you did initially, but then they fell off and, and you, you know, just a, a, a mistake that so many agents make the money, all the money's in the follow up, but yet so many of us don't do it. Yeah. You admittedly said, I didn't follow up with these people. So when you did come back into it to, trying to retouch these guys what was the script so basically i would come on the video and i'd say hi this is ryan casey from william ravis real estate i would have the information too i'd say we talked last we spoke was april 19th last year i yep. know you were looking for this house isn't that kind of checking if you did find your dream home if not i would love to help you still continue that search kept it short kept it quick are you still interested in buying yep yep and the first two messages i mean probably within three minutes after i sent them were two leads 
that closed. And uh, they get back to me and they would say this, oh my God, thank you so much for reaching out, but we already closed on a property. And this one lady, and I remember getting, it was at 66 um, High Street, grand opening where we had the party. So that was back in April of 2018. And she reached out to me and it was kind of going back to what I'm saying. Like you can tell when people have a conversation with you, she was so interactive. Like she was asking questions and this, and when do you want to schedule to see all this stuff? And it, it's different and separates her from the rest of the pack. And then she sent me a text out of the blue and said, Hey Ryan, I'm going to have to put the search on hold because my immigration process is now paused or slowing down. Something of that nature it goes, I'll reach out. Let's reach out in a couple of months or something. It was something along those lines. And you, basically believe that oh she'll just reach out when she's ready probably because i i'm pretty sure i went back into my firepoint after i was looking at these leads and i didn't have a task for her at all and i think it was i felt she would reach out to me and then i also thought oh immigration like this is going to take forever this is just going to be a waste of my time i think mm -hmm. that's what it was and uh she was from philadelphia so when she told me she closed i had this like really sick feeling and it was only one other agent in there and she could tell like i was kind of off and she was from philadelphia and i kept I didn't look, I didn't look where she bought. I was just kept saying, no, she bought in Philadelphia. It wasn't, there's nothing I could have done. It was eating me alive. So I went to go check her name and I put it into the MLS and sure enough, she bought in Connecticut and the property closed at, uh, under $600,000. Just about six, right? Yeah, and it closed. And in, the other one closed in threes or something like yeah, that? Yeah, it was a three or two. And she closed in January. So you think 60 days, that was like October. So you're only talking about so six months two deals out of 17 that's only 17 leads two deals closed for just under a million dollars and when we did the math listen guys when we did the math ryan and i did the math together that was over ten thousand dollars in ryan's pocket like after splits and everything over ten thousand dollars in ryan's pocket right that was a significant amount of money in the one in company fund it was uh, an amount of money that would have put us significantly into the black on our Zillow spend. Like there was a lot and okay, that's two more deals that would have gotten Ryan closer to being out of the yeah. new agent program. You'd be out of it by now with those two deals, I think. Close to it. Yeah. yeah. Um, it also was two potential reviews. It was also two people that would now refer Ryan business. Like there was a lot of pain that came out of that experience. But what did that do for you when you went through that process? I'll just say this really quick. It like, it made me sick. Like I felt like horrible when I found out that she bought in Connecticut and she bought in Cheshire and I have a listing and it took me forever to get them to sign with us because I hadn't done a deal in Cheshire. So it just, I felt like everything just kind of like comes around. Um, but was the question like, I apologize. Like going through that experience of yeah. reaching out to those leads, feeling the pain oh, of them yeah. buying somewhere else or buying with somebody else rather. Yeah. What did that do to your mindset? Because since then in the last, you know, that was a month or a month and a half ago, whatever it was since then, we just said it, you put five deals together in the last two weeks. Like yeah. you've been on absolute fire. You've been on absolute tear. How are you thinking about follow up differently since that experience to today? I mean, totally different. So like I, Going back to that list, I had two people get back to me and we put one of those people, we sold their condo and we got a, a new house within 48 hours. But just that mindset is like, you cannot let anything slip. And even if you feel like 
you know, like you're busy and you have like a, a chance that it, they could go at, at least put a task, at least put some type of notification because I look back on it now and you get some Zill leads and you know, they're just kind of bored and they're kind of window shopping. And this woman had all the signs that she was serious about buying. And I just kind of took one thing that she said and I was like, forget it. Or maybe she'll call me back. And, um, I can't believe, and now I look and it's funny cause then it was okay. Right. Because I couldn't tell the difference between everybody else. But now I'm looking back and I think that's what made me sick. It was like all the signs were right there. Now that I know who's serious and who's not. Sure. And that's what like I would kill for another buyer, a Zillow lead like that, that was so interactive and so like calling me and asking questions about all this stuff and just showing the seriousness of it. And then her buying a house just under 600. Yeah. Okay. Is, uh, it wasn't a, it wasn't bothered me for quite a while, but you got to kind of. Well, let's dig into that a little bit. Like, uh, you know, from my viewpoint, right. Of the last year and a half, I feel like in the first nine months, you held on to that pain a lot longer than you would now. Like now, you know, you're going to have losses if you're in 100% commission based industry, whether it's real estate or anything, you're going to have L's on your record Mm -hmm. and your ability to shed those L's is going to enable you to have success much quicker and, you know, much more fruitful and, and actually just be able to live your life without carrying other people's stress. Right. How much quicker now are you shedding those L's when they do happen and just moving on to it's a numbers game. Let me go get more. Right, and I, this actually happened before. Right before we came on the podcast, I saw her, I sent Jill a, um, I showed her an email, and it's a client that's not too happy that I can't make something. But I just felt like the opportunity. We didn't want to pass it. I don't want to change the schedule, but there's because there's so much now that I have. I only have a few seconds to worry about it, but I can I can sleep tonight knowing that I have done everything in the uh, client's best interests. And they might not be 100% happy with something, but I know this is what they need, that I can move on, and then all of a sudden I'm getting the next. And if you're a follow-up machine and they just do a deal somewhere else, it's like, hey, I did everything I could. I sent the bomb bomb. I sent the text. I sent an email. I called on the person. I did everything I could to get the deal. I added as much value. I sent them as much free information as I possibly had at my fingertips. I did everything I possibly could have, and they went somewhere else. I'm not losing sleep over that deal. Yeah. So that happened, right? So basically I looked at all the listing appointments you and I went on. We went on a lot last year and kind of was in that, well, they have a pulse. I don't have to uh, go any farther than that. But looking at, so now I follow up with these people this summer and now they're like, we're going to hold off a little bit more. Even though they promised us or said like, we'll probably listen to spring. We'll listen to summer. Mm -hmm. Now they're not selling. And if I was where, where I was like last year, so I'd be like, oh my God, you were everything to me. You were my, you were my like keeping the electricity on, buy me food at Sop and Shop kind of thing. And, uh, but now it's like, okay, that's fine. I'm going to reach out to you again. But in the meantime, I have all these other wonderful clients I can, I can reach out to. So it's just like kind of like recapping the whole thing. If I could give any advice, it's kind of like you feel like you're in that cave or you feel like you're drowning kind of thing, but just kind of keep going and keep pushing. Cause I think that's all it is, right? Yeah. Like, what would be, And speaking of advice, because if there is somebody that is thinking about getting into real estate or a brand new agent and brand new is like, to me, anybody that's done less than, you know, 20 to uh, 30 deals, right? If you've done less than say 20 deals, you're brand new. Okay. So if you're in that category, 
what are your three pieces of advice or two pieces, like whatever your main bullet point pieces of advice would be for a new inexperienced agent? And this is great because I got this question on Facebook message probably about three times in the last month. And the first one I told them was, you've got to have someone that's good. First one was, yeah, have someone that holds you accountable. Because if you, if I didn't have you, if I didn't have the team, I'd be doing something else right now. There would be no way I'd be doing, um, be doing real estate. And, and, and we've got, you know, coaching, I, I would imagine is a part of that too, right? Huge. Absolutely huge. And you know, it's interesting. I, I, I don't want to kind of jump all over the place, but we, this was the other thing that I noticed where things were starting to turn. When we went to Tom Ferry, Sales Edge. Yeah. You've been to Sales Edge twice. Twice now with us. Yeah. And the first time I went, I was like, oh my God. I was like. Like all these people were up there on the stage and then making this. First time that. you went, you had a little dinner with Billy Pipes. Billy. Uh, was Billy. Thing. Yeah. Pipes. Uh, Bill, Bill, uh, Bill Pipes and Jeff Mays and, uh, all and, the uh, and, uh, Pantano was there too. Yeah. Yeah. We had a good dinner. That was, was fun. That was, that was fun. fun. Yeah. And, uh, so when we first went there, it was just so much knowledge. I'm just taking this all in. I'm looking at these people on stage. Like these people like are gods, right? Like they're doing all this stuff or whatever. And it was just so overwhelming. And, uh, I tried to take as, much as I could back home, but then you get overwhelmed. You try and do too much, and that kind of hurt a little bit. But then we went back. We went back again this year, March. I think it was yeah, in, we went in, a couple months ago in New, New York, York City, and it was really weird. Like I'm listening to these people talk, and it was kind of like oh, like this. it slowed down a little bit. Yeah, I was like, oh, we do this. Oh, well, what they just said that they're doing isn't really that special because we're doing it all the time. And then it was almost like you learned a magic trick. And well, if, it's. I like when, 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 when you do the role play enough, which now you've been doing it for a year and a half role playing, what to say, when to say, who to say, and what situation, when you now are in that training situation, like a Tom Ferry sales edge, and they're going through these scripts, it's like slow motion because yeah. you've been doing it day after day. You've been putting in the hours, you know, you're approaching, you know, your 10,000 hours of practice in the game, like all that kind of thing. Right. And, and it just seems like it's going really slow. You know what's coming next. Where in your first sales edge, it was probably rapid speed. You right. didn't know what was like happening and you didn't know what to say and you were nervous. And Exactly. Yeah, it felt weird. It felt like, wait a minute, is this the same? It was, the, you know, they, they do a great job every year, but I got nervous. I'm like, wait, is this like toned down a little bit more? And then like we would have someone else on our team, Jocelyn or... Um, whoever was with us, Lee and Nikki, and they'd be like, oh my God, this was so, but it was their first time. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh no, I felt like it was. Well, Lee was overwhelmed because he was in New York City. <laughs> Lee looked like he just wanted to like jump in the Hudson River and start Sam, swimming back. Sam's laughing over here. <laughs> he wanted to start All these guys, we love back. you, Lee. And go back to the Tom Ferry scripts, like Ash, was it Joe, was it you? Like I started using it. I'm like, oh, when do you have 10 to 15 minutes to meet with me for such and such? Um, and then Jill would text me and she'd say, I don't have 10 to 15 minutes for you, Ryan. She doesn't have any time for me. It's like her calendar is booked and clearly it's not because she's drinking wine, but, um, <laughs> but kind of like I went whiskey. Yeah. Jill got, yeah. Yeah. I mean, my calendar is always open, Jill. Anytime you want to, there's nothing like doing, doing your first podcast with some whiskey, you know? Yeah. Or not doing a podcast with whiskey. Anytime. Either, either way, the whiskey's either, fine. Anytime. But that's probably just going back to Tom Ferry. That's when I started to know it's holy cow. Like these people aren't doing anything different than what we're doing. Like right. these people are making millions of dollars. They're not doing anything different that we're doing. But they're doing. staying accountable. They're yeah, their GCI might be two and a half million and they're still using the same script. So yeah. then it's like it clicks. It's like, okay, this stuff works. It's about refining my skills, having it naturally roll off my you know, tip of my tongue. 
Mm-hmm. Would that be the word to my tongue? Yeah. yeah. All right. What are some other pieces of advice you'd, you'd give to somebody that's new or inexperienced? Um, I would say find something that uh, makes sure you got to find the right. I mean, if you want to join, you got to join a team, right? And the first thing is you got to do is find something that makes you accountable. Two is probably making, finding a, a team that that's going to make you do stuff that you don't want to do. Yeah. Like when we did the 7 a.m. call, I was like, no, no. Yeah. What I was your, tell me your honest when I told I'd love, I'd you, that when I told you, Ryan, our team does a 7 a.m. call every single Monday through Friday, what was your feeling on the inside? What were you thinking in your head about that? That wasn't too bad. I mean, the 7 a.m. call, I was like, Shh. okay, no, probably now I'm thinking, like, I get up earlier than 7 o'clock now, but before, when you told me, I was just like, no. Like, what? No. Not every day. I th- thought to myself, this is going to fade. This is not going to, this is not going to last. Like, what are we doing kind of thing? But I was like. But, has so, done but so everything close to fade, it has done nothing. I don't think we have ever missed a day. Um, but that was the first thing, right? It was the yeah. 7am call. Then it was the nine to 12 and that's what I hated the most. So basically the nine to 12 is the new agents come in. Um, we just dedicate that time to role play and then call expired calls and just make new appointments. And that was the worst. And you actually call me. I remember I was coming back. I was going somewhere. It was my birthday. And I'm heading back to my condo. My wife's about to take me to Asagio, which she takes me every year for my birthday. Good restaurant. Love Asagio. Connecticut. And uh, Byron goes, Ryan, I have great news. And I go, what's that? That was my birthday. Like, we're going to get together. He goes, we're going to have the new agents from (laughs) Monday to Thursday. You're going to come to Niantic, and we're going to role play and make calls together. Which is a half hour from where you live. It was, it was a For half people that hour. don't know where the heck these towns are. And I was at Asajo and all I did was bitch Byron's name. At your birthday dinner. <laughs> My birthday dinner. I'm like, what am I doing? Like 9 to 12. So there's a 7 a.m. There's the 9 to 12. And there was something else. I can't think of it right now. That wasn't that wasn't a fan and, of. And here's where, and you can where correct this, me if I'm wrong. Where, where the morals here's the here, no, But here's where I think that you probably were initially like, fuck this dude, fuck that. I don't want to do any of this shit is because when people sign up for real estate, they sign up with this thought of I'm going to create my own schedule. I'm now, I'm a free little bird and I'm going to have the ability to work from home and I'm going to have the ability to work at a Starbucks and, and all this bullshit. And then they realize like, creating their own schedule if they're not doing it appropriately generates absolutely no results. Right. Right. And really the reason behind nine to noon is obviously it's a three hour segment every single day to get the training, but it's also the actions you have to take. If you're a successful salesperson, right. you have to prospect in the morning and go on appointments in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. You have to have time blocks throughout your day that are going to allow you to have success. And so whether you're in the new agent program or you're in an experienced agent bucket or you're 30 years in, you're going to follow the same pattern. Mm-hmm. It's going to be show up, put in the work, go on the appointments. Right. And that's really the moral of it, right? Like, so when you told us like the, the nine to 12 and I was just so upset by, it, I kept making these excuses like, oh, I have this to do. I had this to do. And actually I did not right? Like I started making the excuses why I couldn't do this and why I hated this and why I didn't want to be a part of it. But I feel like what you did before that health was there was, you know, there was a belief that if I did this, so somewhere I'm not, 
I got to think about like, where was that kind of edged in my brain? It was just probably the success around everybody else was doing well. Um, but you put a belief that this is what you had to do. So even though I hated it and I like in the birthday dinner and I was just talking about it, there was a belief that I'm like, I have, like, I will do this. I'm going to hate it more than anything. Now, fast forward. So my birthday was last week. So you're talking about a year now. Um, even when I'm out of the new agent program, I know that this is what I have to do. I have to do the nine to 12. I have to be in here. I, you know, seven o'clock, like now I'm up at, I try to get up at five, um, even earlier, try to go to the gym. If I feel like I'm busy, I try to get some work done. Um, but now it comes to a point where I, I would have to do this. If I want to keep at the pace I'm at right now, there's no other option. So going back to what the advice would be for the first new agent would be if you're, if you're, team leader is pushing you to do stuff and you hate it and you think you're and it's stupid it's a waste of time then you're in the right spot yeah. you're in the right position right now because you have to do stuff in order to get better you have to do stuff that you hate if they're investing the time to continuously put you in the right position to succeed whether it makes you uncomfortable or in your you know words you hate it i agree you're in the right spot and i always say the advice i always give to new agents is join a team of the top producer don't join the top brokerage because the broker is not going to do jack shit for you. Mm -hmm. Join the team that's the top producer in your marketplace or interview the top two or three. Like if you're a new agent and you're coming from a place of I'm going to interview you, mm -hmm. the top two or three teams and see what you can provide for me. Already you're coming from a position of strength, so do that. And then number two, realize that your first two or three real years of real estate, you're going to have to work harder than you've ever worked in your life. You're going to have to put in more hours than you've ever put in in your life. And you're going to have to per have the permission from your loved ones, whether it's your spouse, uh, your, your family member, whoever, to be able to put in those hours because that's what it's going to take. That's, that's the consistent advice I always give. Team and hours of action. I will say this though. Once this check start rolling in, it gets a lot easier for the permission. Once the checks start rolling in, you can start laying on the beach. <laughs> you can just, you know, you can... The permission is a lot easier. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Exactly. I mean, the, the whole family, you're talking about like I'm the, family, about the spouse family element? The family spouse thing, you know, I, you know, when Lauren was, when we first started doing this. they don't and, see it until they, they see the money in the account. But we, I don't, I couldn't, I couldn't justify it either, right? Because I was doing all this and I wasn't making any money. But all of a sudden when it starts coming in. Such a good point, man. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a lot easier to say, Hey, I got to do this. Hey, I got to do that. When before it was like, but you're not making any money. Why are you doing this? If you're, you know, why don't you just try to do another time kind of thing? They, everybody's got to see it to believe it, whether they're a buyer or a spouse supporting team agent, yep. dude, I've got to say you, you've impressed me more than probably any new agent I've been around. And I've been around, you know, a decent amount of them in the last seven plus years your ability to show up every single day, no matter what happens and have a positive attitude is what has absolutely brought you to the point you are today. I'm so looking forward to the next Me too. 18 months of what you've got ahead of you. Um, and I'm just really like super happy for you, dude. And happy Thanks, that you're part of this team. I'm pumped. Man. I'm excited. I'm pumped too. What are you looking forward to the most over the next 18 months from where you've come what do you, where do you see yourself going in the next 18? I'll tell you right now what my concern is being in this position now, just keeping that momentum up. Like that actually probably bought, like that probably creeps into my mind about 10 times a day. If I'm driving, I'm going to bed, brush my teeth or whatever I'm doing. 
is like, this is great right now. And if this starts to slow down and I just feel like it's going to right And not the mentality, like I'm going to slow down, but I'm like, this could stop at any moment. And that scares me. It's a very kind of a, it's kind of like great. Like I can tell my wife, look at this. I did this deal. I'll say right now, if there's an experience agent watching this right now, yeah, they're like, he's already got it because that's what every experience agent, that's what every, whatever you want to call them, top producing agent feels every single day. Like, is this all going to end tomorrow? Right. So having that feeling now makes me super pumped because it means that you've got it. Right. Like, you know that you need to show up every day and feed that beast. Right. Exactly. And that's probably where I'm at right now. I'm super excited, super pumped. But I'm like, this is great. And it's kind of weird. I'm looking at, it's almost, I, I love my analogies, right? So it's like, I'm looking at a whole bunch of deals and all this stuff going on here, but I got to remember all the stuff that's happening behind me. And I'm trying to like, while this is going, I'm trying to peek and try to grab some more stuff. And I'm just trying to learn that balance where, you know, make sure these people are good. Make sure these transactions are smooth, but you've got to bring some more people. And I'm having a little issue right now balancing that because I just want to make sure these close. I want to make sure these deals happen, but I should probably right now be pulling some more people to the front of the table and not behind me. All right. I just think back there. Let's wrap this thing up, dude. I want to, I want to pull a page out of the Gary V model. I think this is the ask Gary V. Yeah, this is the ask Gary V model at the end of his, uh, ask Gary V show. He has the guest ask a question. We've never done this on my podcast. I want you to ask a question. Okay. That would be framed towards new agents people that are, or people that are thinking about getting into real estate, what question would you ask them for them to answer in the comments? So if I was to ask, well, let's put it this way. If I was asking my, to ask myself a question two years ago, yeah, what would that be? What would it be? Ooh, that's a good one. I probably would ask myself, um, uh, I would say kind of like the same lines. Like what, what, what do you wish, wish you knew? What do you wish? Yeah, what do you wish somebody asked you? No, no, no. Yeah. This is good. No, that that, that helps. No. Yeah. Do you, I would probably ask myself, do you think this is going to get better? And that might be kind of a weird question, but I was at this point where I just didn't feel like it was going to get better, and I just felt like I was going to keep drowning in this, um, in this total chaos that I was trying to create some type of like structure to, but I probably would ask myself, uh, are you going to get better? Are you comfortable where you are right now? But if I had to give myself any advice, it would be keep moving. So I read, um, I was, yes, it was D day. So I was like reading, um, about an article about D day and Eisenhower, Eisenhower said before the troops landed on the beach, his quote was the trick is keep moving. So even though these guys were getting shot and killed on the beach, he said, no matter what, just keep moving, keep going, keep going, keep going. And not that I'm trying to compare D-Day to real estate, but even like when it's really sucky and you're like, you're almost like really upset and you don't have any confidence. The trick is to keep moving. You have to go, you got to keep pushing through, even if you don't feel like you have anything to push. And that's probably the advice I would give my, myself Dude, back then. Love that answer in the comments. Uh, what, you are feeling and what you would do, right? Did I yeah. say that right? Yeah. yeah. Answer that in the comments from my boy, Ryan. Dude, I love you, man. I love you more. I'm looking forward to the next 18 months. I can't wait to have you back on the podcast so we can talk uh, a little bit more about your, uh, your, your just massive success, dude. I know you're going to do it. We'll have it on my yacht. 
On the yacht? Yeah, oh, we're going right something. to the yacht. <laughs> there we go. What a way to wrap that thing up, dude. Appreciate you, brother. Love, love that you're on the team. And uh, if you want to connect with Ryan, we're going to put all his stuff uh, on YouTube, his Instagram handle, everything in the description. Really appreciate you, man. Thank you. I appreciate you having, awesome. uh, having me. Thanks, Thank man. you. Hey, guys. Thanks for watching the video all the way to the end. I really appreciate all your engagement, all your comments. And if you like this content, if you want to see more, please, I've got two videos linked up here or hit the subscribe button so that you never miss a video again.